AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. I think you'd probably call today kind of a more of the same kind of day. Corn is dug in deep in that sideways trading range. Hey, maybe if we don't talk about it, we'll get our breakout. Just a thought. Hey, we're going to kick the tires on all the commodity markets today with one of the very best. Live on a sojourn of broadcast of solitude via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This afternoon, we'll chat with Mark Welch from Texas A&M. And directly following the news, Matt Bennett from agmarket.net. I'm running the shop today, your pal Davis Michelson behind the big green leafy microphone of AgriTalk. Thanks so much for tuning in this afternoon. Um, it, in case you, you missed it, uh, Chip is traveling out to the Pacific Northwest. And he'll be broadcasting live from a port out there. It, uh, he's very excited about it. He took Big Apple Joe with him. It's going to be super cool. Um, that'll be for both the morning and the afternoon shows tomorrow, I believe. And uh, so you're going to want to make sure and, and tune in for that very, very special thing. In the meantime, uh, we here who are not traveling to the exotic Pacific Northwest, uh, we'll, we'll keep going. I want to check in on these markets. I don't know if it's the right thing for me to say when I call today's market action more of the same. It just kind of feels like everything is sort of, you know, we get people on and they say things like, well, today wheat was just sort of doing wheat things, okay? I think everything was just doing their thing today. Uh, we wound up, all told, corn just slightly lower on the day. Soybean futures were were higher. And what's interesting there is the, the front three months, all of them, Nov, Jan, and March in the soybean futures, up ten and a half cents. We might talk a little bit of spread action or lack of spread action uh, when we get Mark Welch on here. Uh, meal and meal and oil on the soybean side were mixed. I got soybean meal posting some pretty decent gains. Soybean oil under pressure. Uh, wheat futures all three flavors lower. Uh, it looked like we were maybe going to at least take a shot at at uh, moving higher today in the wheat, and it just didn't happen. Live and feeder cattle futures higher. Lean hogs tried uh, early on in the day. Really did make a good effort, but end of the day lower across the board. What about crude oil? Uh, November contract up three cents, eighty six sixty nine. If you look all the way out as far as my screen goes, anyway, March twenty four is the last I have listed here. That's up forty two cents at this point in the day. And uh, let's see, that puts us at oh, of course. Then it just refreshed and March twenty four is at eighty two forty six. So we backed away from that $90 level uh, rather aggressively. It, one wonders if we're going to get back there or uh, what's what's the story. A lot of people think, yeah, we'll be lucky if we only get back to 90 um, And I would, we'll see. Anyway, on to the news where wheat futures opened the day session with a mixed but mostly higher tone. By the end of the session, all three flavors of wheat had fallen below unchanged for the close. World Weather Inc. says winter wheat planting and establishment in the lower U.S. Midwest should advance favorably, though greater rain may be needed soon. 
The absence of rain across most Ukrainian regions has created unfavorable conditions both for the ongoing sowing of winter crops and for the areas already sown. This according to APK Inform Consultancy. December HRW wheat features today two cents lower, six sixty-six and three quarters. December soft red wheat fell six and three quarters to five seventy and one half. December spring wheat closed at seven twenty-seven and three quarters. That's down one full penny today. We reported in this morning's news that Ukraine had um, made some significant moves against Russian forces there. Um, the back and forth continues over in the conflict between Russia and Ukraine. Corn futures chopped around unchanged for most of the day and ended the session just south of unchanged. As of Sunday, USDA reported corn harvest was 45% complete. That's ahead of the five-year average pace of 43% complete by this week. The crop's good to excellent rating remained unchanged at 53%. Crop consultant Dr. Michael Cordonier raised his U.S. corn yield estimate one bushel to 172.5, which is still below USDA's forecast for this month. He now forecasts U.S. production at 15.02 billion bushels. And we are into week 11 of corn futures confinement within the current trading range. December corn futures one penny lower, 489. March corn fell one and one quarter cent to 503 and three quarters. May corn futures closed at 511 and one quarter. That's down one and one half cent today. On the soybean side, gains in soybean meal futures propped up soybean futures in today's trade. USDA estimated soybean harvest to be 62% complete, well ahead of the five-year average of 52%. The crop's good to excellent rating rose one point from a week ago to 52%. Dr. Cordonier raised his U.S. soybean yield estimate by three-tenths of a bushel to 49.3 bushels per acre, which is three-tenths of one bushel below USDA's October estimate. Cordonier now estimates the U.S. crop at 4.08 billion bushels. According to World Weather Inc., center-west Brazil will continue drying out over the next week with temperatures very warm to hot, stressing early planted crops and possibly raising the need to replant a few fields. November soybean futures 10.5 cents higher today, 12.69 and three quarters. January beans added 10.5 cents to 13.16 and one quarter. March beans closed at 13.29 and one quarter. That's up 10 and one half cents. Oof, I got to hustle here. December cotton was 204 points lower at 83.11. On your livestocks, December fat cattle futures firmed 32.5 to 186.87 and one half. And on the snout side, December lean hog futures 75 cents lower today, 67.55 on the close. And with that, let's bring in Matt Bennett from uh, agmarket.net. Mr. Bennett, welcome to AgriTalk. Thanks for being here, buddy. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Um, so I'm on record now calling it a more of the same kind of day. Um, tell me why I'm right or why I'm horribly wrong. You know, on the corn market, you know, at old high school basketball game, people, uh, if there's a stall, everyone yells boring. And that's kind of what I want to do in my office. Just, yeah. this is, this is, uh, let's get a pulse here, you know, but it, it, I say it's on a fast track to nowhere. I mean, right now it's just tough to really get any excitement going with the corn market. I know some people are wanting to call lows in place and it certainly looks like it, it could be, but at the same time, you know, you got to get a catalyst to really drive this thing higher. And so uh, beans are getting a little bit of a bounce in here, but uh corn market is just dead in a doornail. Well, yeah. And it, you're exactly right. Okay. So maybe we are at a level that could mark a low, but there's nothing to, to spur us higher at all. Is there? 
No, you know, and it's well documented that typically you rally 50 to 60 cents off your harvest low. But again, you know, it's just one of these things where I think a lot of people are looking out at your world balance sheet growing uh, dramatically, the U.S. balance sheet uh, growing dramatically on on corn. You know, soybeans, yes, you have a domestic story by all means. But, you know, as far as the world balance sheet on beans, you know, it's pretty tough to get super bullish again, especially when you start talking about the kind of acreage that's going to be planted in South America. So, you know, there's a lot of diverging uh, things going on on here but you know for corn boy i'll tell you what um it, it's just uh right now it's just really tough to get super excited about it you know and some of the forecasts for acreage for next spring are still above well above 90 you know and so you know it just doesn't look like you're going to be able to get any sort of a stocks story going anytime soon mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh real quickly the uh, fat and feeder cattle had a really great day stout closes there Oh, yeah. I mean, hey, it's better than nothing. At least we've got something. Feeders were really strong, but, you know, fats, I think that you probably have a little chance to maybe start building, especially as we get out towards the fourth quarter. I think you're going to see some super tight numbers coming forward, especially cattle on feed. Matt Bennett from agmarket.net. Thanks, buddy. We appreciate your time. And we're well underway here. Uh, we've got Mark Welch from Texas A&M coming up next to talk markets with us here on AgriTalk. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. In the morning, you're coffeeed up and you're thinking... In the afternoon, you've calmed down, but you're still thinking. We're here all day. Agritalk. And welcome back to Agritalk, everyone. Your pal, Davis Michelson, here behind the big green leafy microphone. Chip is traveling today. He'll be back with us tomorrow morning. And then he'll be traveling again on Thursday to be back with us again on Friday morning. I know. It, uh, let's just take it one day at a time. Uh in that spirit, let's bring in Mark Welch from Texas A&M. Mr. Welch, welcome to uh, AgriTalk. How's it going today? Well, Davis, very good. Good to be with you all this afternoon. Sir, you and I um, haven't spent much time talking directly before. So for me and for our listeners, talk about Texas A&M, what you do there. What, uh, what are you into? Yeah, you bet. Uh, I am the grain marketing economist for the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service. And so my appointment uh, through Texas A&M is 100% with extension responsibilities. Um, I am a professor in the Department of Agricultural Economics. And so certainly uh, interact with my uh, you know, colleagues and counterparts there, as well as you know, extension programs uh, across the Southeast and, and, uh, and the Midwest, particularly in, in terms of grain markets. 
But uh, that's my focus is grain marketing, risk management, uh, education and, uh, you know, programs. Uh, that's what we spend uh, spend our time doing. How long you been at it, Mark? I came to Texas A&M in 2007. Yeah. Uh, prior to that, I was uh, farming up in the panhandle of Texas, kind of in that Amarillo, Lubbock area, uh, okay. for those that are familiar with that part of the world, uh, growing uh, corn and wheat. We had a cattle backgrounding operation, ran uh, wheat pasture cattle, stalkers in the wintertime, uh, went back to grad school in the early 2000s, and uh, ended up there at uh, Texas A&M. Outstanding. So were you, were you able to shake the farming addiction, or are you, you you still farming a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> no, I have. We have uh, uh, don't have any active interest uh, okay. at all right now. Uh, but uh, no, you, you don't you don't shake it. Uh, it, uh, <laughs> it, it it's in your blood. It's in your bones, yeah. and yeah. Uh, that's uh, that that that's still what really matters to me. You uh, bet. I'm. I moved from Iowa to the uh, to the city about a year ago, and this summer yeah. I had the biggest, uh, most sassy garden I've ever had in my life. I think I, <laughs> I couldn't shake the farming. <laughs> no, 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 no. And, and of course, you know, memories and things. You know, especially this time of year. You know, uh, gosh, you just think you would know, love to be out on the combine, and oh, uh, yep. you know, there's not, nothing better than corn harvest. The next best thing is is planting. Uh, mm-hmm. But but of course, your, your memories and your nostalgia for those good times. You know, you That's forget right. about the hailstorms and the dust, dust uh, you know, the dust storms and, you, you know, some of those kind of things that come along with it. But uh, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a good life, a good place to, you know, raise our family. Uh, but it's but, uh, worked out well where we are now. And so certainly yep. appreciate the opportunity they've given me at Texas A&M and uh, the responsibilities that I have now. It's host been a good fit. Um, the, the, I've given the Southland uh, just sort of generally some props. I don't know if it, if it extends westward into Texas or not, but there have been some yields. I mean, I'm talking Arkansas, Mississippi, down south there that have looked real good this year. Uh, I'm I'm assuming harvest is either underway or maybe even wrapped up at least for corn down there in in Texas. What are you seeing? Uh, yeah, and of course, uh, uh, again, here in Texas, as as you just mentioned, it's it's extremely diverse. Now, the part of the world that I'm from, up in that Panhandle region, up in the High Plains. Uh, our crop calendar there is much like the most of the Midwest. You know, we're planting corn uh, mid-April to the first part of May. Okay. And uh, the heart of uh, combine or har- harvest season for corn, you know, last week of September uh, and usually wrapping up, you know, by the time we get to the end of October. So very okay. similar. Mm-hmm. However, mm-hmm. you get down in South Texas, you know, they're planting corn late January. You move up the coast, it's the, the latter part of February. And that grain's oh. ready to harvest about the end of July. And we were very fortunate this year before it got so hot and dry, you know, that set on us, you know, for virtually, you know, the whole summer months. We were cool and we were wet in February, March and April. And so those uh, producers in the southern part of the state that could get that crop in early and it it pretty well had a chance to make before it just got so hot that we had record corn and grain sorghum yields across a broad swath of area from South Texas, up around that coastal bend area, come up around Corpus Christi, head up to just west of Houston, just an outstanding grain crop. Now you move up the central part of the state, the dry land uh, crop we was okay in some places, but it there's some extreme losses as well. Now get up in the high plains, you know, that's all irrigated country up there. You know, with the heat and the wind, uh, it's going to take the top end off of our corn yields up there. Okay. Uh, but but obviously, you know, with, with an irrigated crop where we could keep up, it's, it's going to be okay. 
for the state, yeah, we may be a little bit above average this year for a, the statewide total because about half the crop is up in the high plains, half is elsewhere, uh, but but it's all over the board. But we had okay. some producers that had a really good crop coming off early. You think about where corn prices were mm-hmm. in, in June and July. And uh, so, yeah, if you're bringing off a record crop there, right about the time we had some nice rallies going on in the corn market, uh, that's just a combination you just don't see every day. Yep. And so we're certainly, uh, you know, those folks uh, in that part of the world, very fortunate to be able to uh, capitalize on, on on both sides, on the production and the price side this time, uh, which we don't see. Like, again, you just don't see that come around sure. every year. Yeah. Yeah. You get the two together, boy, you really got something. There you um, go. Let me ask you more broadly, because, uh, Mark, to be honest, I'm getting a little bit confused myself. I get experts in one ear saying as far as harvest goes the best stuff is coming out first we're going to we've seen the highest yield that we're going to all harvest i have others that say nah these early yields you can't trust them we're going to have to wait till we get to the end the good stuff is at the end of the harvest that later <laughs> maturing stuff mm-hmm. would you care to weigh in and confuse me further sir <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, and 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 my experience, and, and I'm I'm a little concerned that I, I don't think we've got this you know final yield pegged just yet either. Mm-hmm. But uh, but right, that typically speaking, the 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 poor yields that's going to be stuff the the stuff that got hotter, uh, you're going to go get first, mm-hmm. uh, and so it's drying down faster, uh, and and that might be on your lighter soil places where maybe the the conditions are a little rougher. Uh, and, and so then, of course, yeah, that could then lead to the expectation that maybe the, you know, the better crop is still yet to come. Uh, does 173 bushels per acre kind of catch us? You know, I, I really think it does. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I can see us bouncing maybe a half a bushel, you know, either way up or down from that at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I think we've probably gotten enough harvest data in at this point, combined with other, you know, surveys and and, and yield measurements. I, I'm not looking for a, a, a surprise there on the uh, on the supply side, you okay. know, coming in um, on that yield at this point. Okay, um, I've got Dr. Michael Cordonier. We he uh, he's one of our our advisors that we work with at Pro Farmer. Uh, he came out with an estimate at 172.5 that I like an awful lot, which would put U.S. corn production at 15.02 billion bushels. Just call it 15 billion bushels. Um, what does that do for marketings going forward and perhaps plant corn plantings uh, in the in the coming year? Right, and I think that that probably kind of makes my point. I, uh, mm-hmm. if, as as you put it in those those uh, that perspective, that yeah, we're still talking about a 15 billion bushel corn crop. Uh, and, uh, that's not a record, but it doesn't miss it by much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so, a, a really, you know, strong production year around that 15 billion bushels. Now, looking at where that sets us up for going into the 2024, uh, with a 15 billion bushel corn crop and some of the demand challenges that we're facing in the feed grain market right now, uh, that, uh, you know, we're looking at a carryover. Uh, you talk about a 15 billion bushel crop. Well, what does a two billion bushel carryover look like? And we haven't seen one of those in a while. Yeah. And uh, to get uh, the carryover stocks up to that kind of level, that's where we start to get some of the, uh, you know, weighing on the market looking ahead to that 24 crop. And then if I look at 2024, uh, uh, you know, I'm personally expecting our corn acres to come down next year. Uh, if you look at where soybeans are trading. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll be seeing some more competition there and just, our, of course, our rotations, you know, kind of back and forth. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think we could cut corn acres next year. But if we plug in just a, a, a trend line yield of 180 bushels, if we get some moisture this winter and, and kind of a more typical growing season next year, and we plug in 180 bushels per acre as a yield for 2024, we only need to plant 91 million acres of corn, and we've got another 15 billion bushel crop. Oh, man. Now, add to that a 2 billion bushel carryover, not a 1.2 or a 1.3. Add a 2 to that. Now we've got a 17 billion bushel corn supply. In a time in which I don't think the economy is going to recover enough in 2024 Mm -hmm. to really give us that boost on the use categories uh, that we're going to need to really start to whittle that ending stock number down significantly. So I'm really concerned about uh, where we may be in 2024, even if we cut planted acres back to, you know, 91, 92. With the record, with the trend line yield, that's still a lot of corn. Absolutely. We're talking with Mark Welch right now from Texas A&M. I'll just take us into the break here. Um, I I want to I don't want to leave corn just quite yet because I want to find out what to do about it, uh, and then of course get to soybeans and figure out. I mean, we we should probably talk some cattle too. That'd be great. Mark Welch is my guest from Texas A&M. It's your pal Davis Michelson on AgriTalk. Stick around through these words. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest. Timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Let's go to the markets page at profarmer.com and check today's closes, where December hard red winter wheat futures were two cents lower at 666 and three quarters. December soft red wheat fell six and three quarters to 570 and one half. December corn futures were one penny lower, 489. March corn fell one and one quarter cent to 503 and three quarters. November soybean futures were 10 and one half cents higher, 1269 and three quarters. Jan beans added 10 and a half, 1316 and one quarter. December cotton futures, 204 points lower today, 8311. On your livestock's December fat cattle futures firmed 32 and a half to 18687 and one half. November feeder futures gained 52 and a half to close at 25045. And December lean hogs, 75 cents lower, 67.55. Get more at TryProFarmer.com. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. You're listening to AgriTalk, where the conversation begins. Join us at 855-4-TALK-AG. 
Welcome back to AgriTalk, everybody. Your pal Davis Michelson here with Mark Welch from Texas A&M. So glad that you've tuned in today. Uh, Mark, I'm going to bring you back in here. Let's, we were, we were talking about <laughs> snow, what I would call snowballing corn stocks as a potential moving forward through the next crop and, and possibly into the next. Um, that, <laughs> a weighty supply situation can be weighty for prices as well. A lot of people concerned for export demand. You know, I'm saying a lot of things right now. I guess my question is, if once the snowball starts to roll, what do we do about it? And, uh, and of course, that, that is the challenge. Um, uh, one of the most insightful conversations I had, I wasn't the uh, marketing economist at Texas A&M for too long. I was at a marketing meeting in Central Texas, and uh, this is along about, uh, you know, late August. Uh, their crop was drying out in the field, ready to be cut. And I gave my normal kind of dismal price depressing, you know, right. price outlook. And a mm-hmm. uh, farmer came up to me and says, I'll tell you one thing. I can't grow corn for three fifty a bushel. And mm-hmm. that's about where the corn market was trading at that time. Mm-hmm. And as he told me that, I thought how how insightful that comment was. I can't grow corn for three fifty a bushel. Three weeks before that, corn was four fifty a bushel. If you know you can't grow it for three fifty a bushel, how much did you price when it was four fifty a bushel? When you're just you know two or three weeks out from harvest, uh, you know you pretty well knew kind of what you had in the field. And, and and I think we need to apply that same kind of thinking you know to the market today. You know if you look at that uh, you know December you know twenty four contract, uh, where did that thing close today? We're still right. you know north of five dollars. You know, yep. five fifteen, maybe five, train up around five twenty. There you, you go. Yeah, five sixteen your, and a half today. Yep. You know your local basis and uh, you know other you know delivery you know, opportunities, mm-hmm. um, but but what kind of th- does that price work? Um, and, and again, you, you need to know that I can't grow corn for fill in the blank. Yes. Per bushel, and and does that price given? Again, contracting or basis or other delivery possibilities, and uh, th- does that work or not? And, and to start factoring that into a, a marketing plan and the marketing decisions, even you know at this early stage, and as we go through the winter, uh, you know there may be some things you know even better than that yet to come. But at least be evaluating those opportunities, you know, right now. We may not have sold the one we're bringing in the combine right now, yeah. but uh, but get yep. that twenty four crop on your radar because there may be some opportunities there uh, yet. Uh, again, we, we've got to know that I can't do it for whatever your price is mm-hmm. and, and evaluate that against what the market's offering today. And there are those listening who already have figured this out, Mark, but that number, I can't plant corn for X, changes every year, doesn't it? If you're using oh, a cookie cutter approach to marketing, to you know running your operation from one year to the next, you're leaving dollars on the table. You know, if and, and that's such a good point. If you think of, uh, of course, you know, anytime, you know, the uh, how farming has changed, you know, technology and, and all the things that we do differently today than we did, you know, 5, 10, 15 years ago. But then combine not just the uncertainty of the global geopolitical environment, uh, you know, higher input costs, higher cost of borrowing, uh, you know, all that uncertainty and risk, uh, you know, with weather, uh, you know, all those things are just, you know, just just, just, just such upheaval. In, in so many of those production and input sides of our uh, of our production systems, you know, this there's probably never been a time, but this is not the time 
just to think in terms of whether it's the varieties you plant, your crop insurance program, your marketing plan, just, well, I guess we'll just kind of do the, do things the way we've always done them. Yeah. Without looking at what else is out there. What what am I missing if, if that is my management marketing risk approach? Uh, you know, it, it, it takes some time. It's going to take a little homework, but that's why we have partners uh, at the bank and partners at the crop insurance agency and partners that are our crop consultants and crop ins- and partners that are our seed companies and our in- other input dealers, you know, relying on their expertise and, and value from those relationships that can help us make those decisions and, and, and tweak those kind of, uh, uh, you know, management decisions, you know, squeezing out pennies uh, yep. and, and not, you know, just leaving that on the table. Yep. Yep. Um, is, is that a question that, Johnny Farmer, who suddenly realizes he needs to figure out a marketing plan. Is that a question they can call the extension and ask? Does the extension offer that sort of thing? Well, that's what we spend a lot of time doing. Yeah. And, 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 and obviously we're, uh, uh, you know, ra- as we wrap up this harvest season, and as I mentioned earlier, you know, our South Texas producers, uh, they're going to put seed in the ground the last part of January. Yep. So we'll start wrapping up our, our market education, risk management programs. Just We're just right around the corner. So yes, mm-hmm. uh, you know that is what we do. And oh. if uh, if you feel like you don't have the the, the resources, uh, you know, in your local area, and if we can help or augment those, just get another perspective. You know, just please, uh, you know, reach out, uh, you know, to your extension program or or to others in other states. That's what mm-hmm. we're here to help. Uh, is is again to try to provide some perspective and try to provide some degree of of objectivity. How okay. can we remove just that emotion? Right. That, you know, marketing's hard. Sure. <laughs> it, it just ties well, you up. And I'll, yeah, yeah I'll, I get the same questions. And just as in a wheat example, the very same question about should I sell wheat? I've had that question when wheat was $2 a bushel <laughs> and wheat was $12 a bushel. I'll get that phone call. Should I be selling wheat? So, uh-huh. you know, it, it doesn't matter what prices are high or prices are low. The, the, it, it ties us up. Yeah. And, and so again, if we if we can provide some some programming, some some resources, I think that perhaps again just slow down, yeah. get it out in front of us, step yeah. back a little bit, and, and objectively, uh, are there some things we can consider around these marketing programs? There's a lot of great resources through. I, I'm guessing wherever you're located uh, in in your state extension service, but but then also uh, throughout the country as well. That's excellent. Um, we're. We're going to upset the soybean growers if we don't talk a little beans here. Um, I used Cordonier's numbers just uh, for the sake of consistency for the corn. I'm going to use them for the beans, too. He's got beans uh, estimated at a 49.3 national average, uh, would put um, the U.S. crop at 4.08 billion bushels. Um, talk to us about uh, about soybeans. And I'm going to start off by saying I'm not the soybean guy. Uh, when we do, enough. you know, grain marketing in Texas. In fact, if if um, if you look at the uh, top soybean producing counties in Iowa, mm-hmm. two thirds of the counties in Iowa individually produce more soybeans than the state of Texas. So, if Texas was a, a county in Iowa, yeah. we would come about seventieth on the list wow. in in terms of uh, soybean production. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean I, I think that. For 2024, I think we could be looking at a significant influence on our feed grain markets from soybeans. And and I guess one of the areas of, that I'm, I'm looking at in terms of a shifting in terms of consumption patterns 
into the new marketing year is on the fuel sector. Uh, I'm, I'm not really encouraged by what's happening, particularly in ethanol for corn. However, if you look at numbers, uh, say, from the Energy Information Administration and their projections for renewable diesel, uh, you know, they're, they're projecting significant, uh, you know, growth in that particular market. So I, I think in terms of some of our consumption patterns, we could see some things that are looking perhaps more bullish from our oil seed, uh, markets than from our feed grain markets, which might feed or, 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 uh, maybe accentuate some of that acreage shift mm-hmm. that's, that I'm looking for in 2024. Again, I think we'll pull corn acres down. Uh, if that uh, soybean to corn price ratio, that's kind of what I keep my eye on. Mm-hmm. That might guide farmers planting decisions, uh, November beans relative to December corn. Yeah, you see that up around two four, two five. If we bump that up to two six or two seven this winter, uh, yeah. Uh, again, I think just that uh, the influence that could have on our uh, acreage outlook next year, mm-hmm. whatever finally comes to pass, that's where I'm looking for that perhaps that bump on that December corn contract. Uh, if we want to get that thing back up to 520, uh-huh. 530, maybe get yep. some marketing done. Yep. Yeah. Keep, keep an eye on that. I think that could yeah. be significant for us. Well, and and I, I don't want to drag you too far down the soybean path, but there's been a lot of talk, man, about the biodiesel and the sustainable aviation fuel. And, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of this stuff and soybeans are getting a lot of attention. And there's even thought, well, up in the Dakotas, you know, as soon as they get some of these plants up and running, these crushed facilities are... It, they're going straight to beans. Has there been any anticipation about that in your state where they maybe don't grow as many as many beans as further up north here? No, ha- have not heard that okay. in, the, in the southern plains at, at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, again, just hearing more of the of the headline kind of stuff, the things that you just mentioned uh, that might uh, provide, a, yes, increase maybe that uh, demand base locally, maybe the basis certainly mm-hmm. for uh, for beans in some of those production areas, which gives them maybe a better profitable outlook, yeah. uh, which, I again, would that start to, uh, you know, build some momentum uh, for, for soybeans? And, and I think that's one thing that even we've seen in more of the southern plains as, you know, wheat has had to compete more with, with corn moving in, soybeans moving in. Uh, but what a great opportunity that is for producers that have that kind of flexibility that can bring that kind of those kind of production opportunities, you know, into their operations. Um, you know, what a benefit that is to be able to choose and select among those more profitable enterprises, uh, which I, I think is good for all of agriculture. Uh, yeah. Boy, you did a pretty good job on the soybeans there, buddy. I don't know. You you, you may have a knack <laughs> no. for it. Um, no, 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 about- no, I know better. I know better than that. <laughs> we've we've talked corn and soybeans and a little bit about oh just kind of some some general economy ish stuff. I'd love to get um, to the livestock. You've mentioned feed demand a couple of times. I'd like to talk maybe some demand issues for corn itself. Uh, Mark, can can I impose upon you to stick around through this break for just another couple minutes, and I'll talk to you some more on the other side. Yeah, you bet. We'd love to do that. Phenomenal. Okay, and and then we'll cut him loose. I promise everybody, but I. Having a great conversation with Mark, and I just don't want it to end. Mark Welch from Texas A&M is my guest today on AgriTalk. I'm so grateful you've decided to tune in and spend some time with us. We'll be right back to wrap up the conversation after these words. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. 
The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. On your favorite radio station or your preferred digital device, AgriTalk is live every weekday. Welcome back to AgriTalk, everyone. Davis Michelson here for you. Chip will be back in the morning right now. I've got Mark Welch from Texas A&M in extra innings right now. Uh, Mark, thank you so much for sticking around. I promise I won't take up too much more of your time here. Um, But a couple of times you've mentioned um, feed. Can we talk about some of the issues surrounding feed markets right now with, uh, I don't know if now is the time to hook into some feed needs or, or not. Mark, what are your thoughts? Uh, right. And, and, and certainly if you look at our, you know, use categories, uh, you know, when you look at the corn market, uh, feed and fuel are, are right up there at the top. And yep. as I mentioned, I'm a little concerned about some of the uh, growth prospects on the fuel side. And if you look at the feed side, uh, uh, much of the, uh, my concern in the upcoming marketing year is just sheer numbers on, on the on the livestock inventories, uh, you know, that are out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see our cattle on feed numbers uh, that are you know coming down month to month. We were we drove those feedlot inventories higher over the last you know eighteen months, two years, just the intense drought that we've had across uh, you know so much of the western United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know we we slaughtered cows. We brought calves, uh, you know, early going to the feedlot. Well, we, we've kind of worked through a lot of that inventory. And so now that our uh, our numbers are down, uh, of course, profitability, prices are, are very high. If you look at the calf prices, obviously, you know, fat cattle prices, uh, you know, it looks like returns are very strong to our cow-calf producers as well as to uh, those that have, uh, you know, finishing cattle in the feedlot. Uh but it's, much of that is based on uh, that there's just not as many uh, head out there. And so I think that's limiting the growth prospects on the feed side in the near term. Now, that will turn around, but it takes time, obviously, with just the, um, you know, the physiological nature of, of, the, of the cattle business. You know, mm-hmm. it, it takes a year and a half or two years to really get those numbers turned around and, and headed back the other way. So uh, that, that's my concern there. The profitability is there. To uh, if we, especially if we get some rain, you know, mm-hmm. from from Nebraska to, to South Texas, maybe green some grass, uh, and, and so I think that helps us on the cow calf side. Uh, do we start retaining some heifers? You know, starting to build those herds, mm-hmm. uh, and and again, that just that tightens it up even more because now we're not sending the heifers to the feedlot. Oh, uh, sure. So yeah. uh, so that number restriction issue is is my concern primarily on the feed side, mm-hmm. uh, and and then you know there's some you know global impact of that as well as the global economy is doing better just feed demand and uh demand for protein uh typically would grow with that growing middle class around the world 
if that's kind of on hold for now in the current economic environment. Uh, so, so there again, I'm, I'm a little concerned, certainly for the early part of 2024. And then if things start to look a little better, you know, a little later, you know, a year out from now. But uh, so that that's why I'm concerned on the use categories when it comes to feed grains yeah. uh, for the early in 2024. I'm really concerned about those. Well, and Mark, um, any any wink and nod that you sent toward expansion were for someday we're going to begin to see an expansion phase. You're not seeing expansion at all, are you? Well, again, it, it, it takes time. Uh, in that, uh, uh, again, the first thing you got to do is you've got to contract it some more, uh, in terms of, you know, saving those heifers, uh, that, uh, so they're, they're not entering in, into the, uh, beef supply. Uh, so I think perhaps as we get into, uh, you know, early winter, uh, this, you know, again, in our South Southern producers, if we can even get a little grass here this winter, as things, you know, start to perk up next spring, I think we'll get a much better handle on that. But I think I think there's tightness on that livestock supply uh, ahead of us, and I'm I'm relying on information. I'm the grain guy. Yeah, uh, we're so fortunate uh, through our extension service at Texas A&M. We've got a livestock specialist. We've got a cotton specialist, and and so I can uh, I can I can listen in on on their expertise as <laughs> uh, in these particular issues. But I'm uh, for that's what I glean from them. That uh, yeah, this 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 beef thing. Uh, I think it yep. could be tight uh, for a good bit ahead of us. Let's put a bow on this. Um, talk to those grain producers. Where would you like to see their heads at? What uh, What do you want them to make sure they don't lose sight of here at harvest quickly? You know, it, it's just hard to have too wide of a marketing window. And 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 yeah, in the in the busiest times of year, whether you know you're bringing you're running the combine or you're on the planter next spring. Uh, you know, there may be marketing opportunities there for, for much further down the road than, than we may be thinking right now. That there's, there's a lot more out there, perhaps, than we can focus on right in front of us here today. And if, and if you don't have the time to, to monitor all those possibilities and prospects, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Is there somebody in the operation that kind of can have their eye on that ball, even yeah. where it's the busiest, most stressful time of the year? Uh, that doesn't mean there might be some not some some conversations that need to be taking place around capturing some opportunity uh, down the road, either on the cost side, the production side, the marketing side. You know, trying to gain some some marginal uh, advantage on any of those key areas uh, to put us in a better profitable position down the road. You want to take a minute and just brag on Texas A and M for a second? Tell us how to get more information. Well, you know, we're easy to find. Okay. Uh, my name, Mark Welch and T-A-M-U, uh, that'll, that'll hook you up to a, a lot of good stuff. We have a lot of resources around the kind of things we've talked about today, market education programs. Uh, we'd love to keep that conversation going. And so if you want to reach out, we'd, we'd love to hear from you. Terrific. Mark, I asked you to talk about some stuff you weren't necessarily uh, feeling entirely comfortable with, but we soldiered on together uh, and great information. I really appreciate you taking the time. Mark Welch from Texas A&M. Thanks, buddy. Have a great day. Appreciate it. Thank you. You bet. Once again, that was Mark Welch from Texas A&M. Okay. The uh, National Weather Service, 6 to 10 day outlook. This is valid October 23 through 27. Not quite trick-or-treating weather just yet. Uh, temperature outlook, it almost looks like Neapolitan ice cream. Okay, you got a stripe down the middle of the country near normal. To the west, you've got below normal temperatures. To the east, above normal temperatures with Louisiana in the bullseye for the hottest of those. And by the way, 
Y'all up in Alaska, it's going to be hot. Above uh, above average temperatures expected in Alaska. Above average precip um, all the way over, let's call it, to the uh, far side of Indiana. And then it sort of stops them below normal chances. Uh, the biggest chances through the gut slot, the center of the country. Uh, looking out to the 8 to 14 day, yeah, looks about the same. Uh, tomorrow morning, Chip will be broadcasting live from the PNW, checking in on shipping and whatnot. So for uh, Harrison and me, Davis Michelson, it's Agritalk, everybody. Tune in tomorrow morning. We'll look forward to seeing you then.